0: Welcome to Education, Leadership and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving. It is show number 44. Welcome, everybody. We are live on Facebook. Great to see all of our Facebook listeners on, and we are on iTunes getting the program on there. Very excited to be here. It's show number 44. Unbelievable. Very excited that we are approaching almost the one year mark. And uh, I tweaked some things from yesterday, got the camera situated a little bit better, and uh, happy to uh, be having the program on today. So welcome to the program, everybody. Andrew Morata here, host of the show. And today we have a very special guest on. I met Dr. Bird, uh, Dr. Stephen Birchak, earlier this year when he came to Port Jervis School District and spoke uh, with us. And we're going to meet Doc coming up here. He is a psychologist at, um, in the College of St. Rose, upstate New York, the Albany area, and just a fantastic person, a fantastic educator, father, husband. Uh, and we're going to meet Doc here in the next segment. I do want to uh, mention our, sp- uh, our sponsor again. This episode sponsor of the Coaching and Leadership Journal, written by Dan Spanauer, put together by Dan Spanauer, And I did want to dive a little bit more into it today. I mentioned it yesterday. Um, Amazing stuff. Just in this, this is the April issue. Looking at this here, there are over 20 articles in here. Numerous quotes, dozens of quotes from uh, famous people, different authors, impactful stuff. It's motivational, it's informational. Uh, just, just fantastic stuff. So he is offering a discount to the uh, the listeners of the program here. Go to leadershippublishingteam.com and the code for twenty percent off for listeners of Education Leadership and Beyond ELB twenty, and uh, you can get your subscription today. Uh, that's on a yearly subscription. It's a buck forty nine. They come out once a month, and I'm telling you, it is a fantastic resource. So please check it out and thank, thank you to them for sponsoring the program. If you do want to reach out to the program, certainly you can leave us a, a review on iTunes and uh, you can email in andrewmaradallc at gmail.com. We'd be happy to hear from you. So in preparing and uh, getting ready for the show, uh, again, I met Dr. Bird uh, a few months ago. He came and spoke to the Port Jervis School District and uh, I was blown away. Really blown away uh, by uh, what he did and what he brought to uh, Port Jervis. We've had speakers. We've had people talk to us about um, all kinds of academic stuff, curriculum stuff. Uh, Dr. Bird brought a message of love. Dr. Bird brought a, a message of compassion and gratitude. And I was, as soon as he started talking, he got the whole auditorium in front. Uh, uh The whole everyone, you know, it's difficult when you're speaking to a, an audience to get people to move up front. And uh that was the first thing he did. And uh, but I jotted down some notes here and uh it was uh, called five active reflections for really, really happy people. So if you're listening at home, you're listening in your car, you're listening while you're taking a beautiful walk, you know, take some notes down. We all want to be happy, right? And that was the, one of the major themes of, uh, of Dr. Bird's talk, and uh, it, really, it really hit home to me. So let's get to it. Number one, I am free to choose my own attitude. Think about that. Think about all the things we're responsible for in a day, all the questions we have to answer, all the things we have to do in our roles. Certainly as a high school principal, uh, a, a lot there for me but I am free to choose my own attitude. I'm free to, to choose how I respond to people and uh, free from could have, should have judgments. And uh, he actually quoted uh, the famous author, uh, Victor Frankl. No one can take away your ability to choose your attitude. And certainly Dr. Bird shared that amazing story uh, of the, uh, the camp's uh, th- th- these gentlemen and, and women were put in. It was a terrible time, but Victor Frankl said that. And he offered advice, and I loved it. Three small changes, three small things you can do while choosing your own attitude. Number one, Dr. Bird said, tab, take a breath, right? You're angry, something's bothering you, something's under your skin, take a breath. I've talked about that. Uh, on this program before. I've talked about that in, in my own book, uh, the, the Importance of Breathing, right? Deep breaths before you respond. Number two, crisis or inconvenience. And you're going to hear Dr. Bird talk about that. Uh, that's his latest book. It's not a crisis. It's an inconvenience. So is the situation that you're responding to just an inconvenience? Because a lot of times people respond as if it's a crisis. You know, a crisis is certainly uh, your house is on fire. Your house is on a flood. Uh, You have a major uh, health issue, things like that. Um, People cutting you off on the road, which is what Dr. Byrd talked about uh, in his speech to us, uh, is not a crisis. It's an inconvenience. The last thing he said, quarantine your poisons. What is that thing that is hurting you? What is that thing that's bothering you? What is that thing that's getting under your skin? Quarantine it. Get it off to the side. Get it out of your system. Number two, in talking about reflections of really, really happy people. I want to be one of those people, and maybe that's why I identified so much uh, with what Dr. Bird had to say. I like my best self and your aptitude for self-compassion. Think about that. Think about how you forgive yourself when you make a mistake. This is something that I've struggled with, right? I'm trying to be perfect, maybe too perfect, and uh, you have to forgive yourself. It's okay to make mistakes. Dr. Bird talked about uh, suicide rates have doubled in the past 10 years. Amazing, and and it's quite quite sad, and certainly working with young people, we've seen that uh, in my school, and we've seen that uh, uh, far too often. Have an aptitude for self-compassion and the ability to forgive oneself small changes give yourself permission to be fragile and be human again this was the the message that dr bird shared with the port jervis staff uh, it was an amazing speech and uh, how about number three i see the good in others have a grateful perspective invest in the beauty of life and think about that all the people you work with and cross cross your life uh, each day if you can only see the good in that in those people, you're not going to see the bad. You're not going to notice the bad. You're not going to talk about the bad. Oh God! Lost us here. Hmm. Technical difficulties. It's not a call. sorry, everybody. It's not a crisis, Doc. It's an inconvenience. What happened? Oh man. Right. We're going to get this fixed. That's what the live radio will do to you. Everyone okay there on our viewing uh, audience? We okay? All right. We'll get this set up here doc. It's not a crisis. <laughs> All right. Sorry everybody at home. Let's put this up here. There's no uh, there's no second takes in live radio. All right. I'm going to have to adjust that in a bit. Calm. It's okay. <laughs> Number four, I am a calming influence on others. Do you ramp people up? Do you bring in uh, bad intensity to situations? I, I, I've been guilty of that. Absolutely. And uh, I try to calm and others keep people calm again by my reactions to things, right? Uh, he talks about escalating behaviors or de-escalating and it's, is it true? Is it kind? Is it necessary? Talking about your response and your, um, your dealings with people. And the last thing Dr. Bird talked about, well, he talked more than that, but in this specific area of five active reflections for really, really happy people. Number five, I love and I am loved. Everything good that has happened to me in my life is because of love. Now, we've had numerous speakers over my career as an educator. I don't know if I've ever met somebody that talks so much about love and your compassion for others and kindness for others and uh, really was impressed uh, with with Dr. Bird. And like I said, he's going to be our guest uh, coming up here in the next segment on education, leadership and beyond. I do want to, again, highlight. our sponsor before the for the show before we meet Dr. Bird check it out coaching and leadership journal by Dan Spanauer go to the leadershippublishingteam.com uh, it's a buck 49 a year it's a great resource a ton of, uh, of things in here for us and i like it's a, it's not just a piece of paper it's a heavy duty thing and uh, you're looking for quotes you're looking for motivation you're looking for great stories they're all in here the coaching and leadership journal by my friend Dan Spanauer. Dan, thanks for sponsoring the show. All right, here he is, man, myth, legend. Welcome to the program. Dr. Bird. there you are. Hi,
1: it's nice to be here. Thanks for inviting you. me on.
0: I didn't knock you over with the fall of the computer. You made it? <laughs> no,
1: that's all good. Good. Um, thanks.
0: Doc, I know you're a busy guy, uh, you know, author, professor. Uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to come on.
1: My pleasure. My pleasure.
0: So, Doc, again, I mentioned we have so many uh, different types of speakers that have come in to talk about their expertise in a certain area. As I mentioned earlier, your message of, of happiness, your message of love towards others. How, how, how where did that come from? Where did that, that that you where did you make that decision to make that your theme of when you're going to speak to educators?
1: Well, I, uh, you know, I've been teaching uh, at the college level uh, for 38 years, and um, uh, you know, one of the things that years ago when I got started in psychology, and I and I there's a really important place for this uh, in today's world, is that uh, some 97 or 8 percent of all the journal articles that are written about psychology written about removing the symptoms of uh, the pathologies that we have or the uh, conditions that we have. And so very few were written about, you know, hey, what about us normal neurotics who who just want to be happier? And I always wanted to, uh, you know, way back when, I started digging into whatever few authors I could find. And, you know, like Abraham Maslow many years ago uh, had talked about this concept of self-actualizing. And what he did is he studied people... Uh, who uh, really uh, reached all of their potential in life, and and uh, they were very happy people. They were very fulfilled. And he said, "What is it about these people?" And uh, it really got me hooked because um, there's an awful lot of doom and gloom out there, and I realized that that there's a very important and noble place for uh helping people with their suffering but for many of us normal neurotics which i include myself uh, (laughs) normal neurotics just getting through the next day you know what is it that we can do to actively either reflect on or uh embrace in our own lives so that we can become happier um you know, and what I'll say about happiness, too, is that you don't wake up one day and say, gee, I'm just going to be happier today. I'm going to, you know, laugh my you know, butt off today. I, you know, you don't. But that's the evidence that you really uh, find some meaning and purpose in life. And in fact, you know, as you were doing the introduction there with Viktor Frankl. You know, here, this guy was in one of the most condition or awful conditions that people could ever imagine themselves to be in. In World War II, he was in a, a, a Nazi execution camp in Auschwitz. And he said, in, in spite of these horrible, horrible, horrible conditions, he said, I can still find meaning. I can still find purpose. And uh, he said, the one thing that no one can take away from me is my ability to choose my own attitude. And, you know, when I spoke to your group uh, there, I said, you know, look, People are running around with cell phones and cars and homes and and uh, you know ninety percent of the world would give anything to trade places with your problems, and yet you're still not finding meaning and happiness and. You know, the, the, the statistic that you'd mentioned that uh, suicide rates worldwide have, have doubled in the last half century. And for my generation, uh, you know, they've gone up by 50 percent, you know, over 50 in the last 10 years. And we have to start to ask ourselves with all of this affluence and all this technology, it, we're, we're losing a, a revolution of kindness and compassion. And, and so it really keeps me going. Uh, but I also I just uh, I enjoy life a lot. And, and so it, it's been my passion for a very long time to talk about positive psychology and I teach a positive psychology course. And so uh, it, it's just an enjoyable uh, pursuit. And, and when I go out and I meet educators like yourself, um, a lot of them are trying to get through the day, but also there's some really, really happy people out there doing what they're doing. And, uh, and it's always a joy to see, you know, what is it that you're doing a little bit different than everybody else to have that good attitude?
0: Do you notice that in people? Is that something if you're in somewhere new, you're out to dinner with your wife or your family, and is there something that sticks out in that person? You could say, I, I can tell. Is there, is, there, is there a sign?
1: It's it's mostly the way you watch how people treat each other. Uh, there was a quote that, that somebody used that I had in one of my books. Uh, Dave Barry says, um, if you're... The person who is nice to you but rude to the waiter is not a nice person. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, I watch the way people treat each other, the way parents treat their children, the way teachers treat kids, the way, uh, you know, a boss will treat someone that they're working with, the way coworkers treat each other, the way people treat each other in traffic. And, uh, you know, it's easy to get a bad attitude because the, the bad things that go wrong and the mean people out there, they really stick with us. But, yeah, I do notice that. And in fact, whenever I cross paths with happy people, I'm always asking, you know, do you have a secret? Is there something that's going on? Mm-hmm. And inevitably, you dig a little deeper. Most people will say, well, and, and you know. Many of them don't have an answer right away because they're living it. But most people will say, I've got perspective. And, and I said, tell me more about that. And, and 99% of the cases say, I have grateful perspective. There's something that they see in their lives that every day they wake up and they say, my goodness gracious, I am lucky to have this.
0: Doc, you know, you talk a lot about the, the virtue of gratitude. You actually yeah. said it's the mother of all virtues. Yeah. Tell me about that concept in creating happiness in your life to, to be thankful for what you have.
1: You know, we, we live in a society today that so greatly focuses on, on deficit thinking. Uh, whatever it is that I don't have is what's keeping me from being happy. And um, that gratefulness is such a simple concept. I remember my father would come home from work. This guy had an eighth grade education. He worked in a factory, five kids. You know, he was a product, of, you know, he'd gone through the depression. He was a, a vet in World War II in the Navy and uh, was on the subs. And he, But he would come home and he'd sit on the back porch and bring home some things in his lunchbox. And he said, boy, oh boy, Stevie, aren't we lucky. And, you know, as a kid, I didn't really get it at the time. I didn't really get it, but I remember him saying that so often. You know, boy, oh boy, Stevie, aren't we lucky? And the smallest of things, if he just had his own house and he had a camper that he could take his family out with, if he could put another bicycle under the Christmas tree every year, those little things, and I and I watched him observe, and he really did have that knack for enjoying life because of that gratefulness and and so I, and maybe it's in my blood, maybe it's in my DNA. I don't know.
0: Doc, how about, how about public speaking? You know, your message of kindness and happiness, uh, and gratitude certainly had the attention of the crowd, but really it was very funny too. You, you yeah. weren't afraid to laugh at yourself. You weren't afraid. Uh, but you know, tell me about your speaking style and what, did it come easy to you? Did you get in front up in front of a couple thousand people? Did that come, uh, uh, easy to you when you first
1: started? Not really. Uh, you know, I people ask me all the time. They say, you know, do you get nervous? Uh, and I speak to, you know, I've spoken to Fortune five hundred companies. I've uh, been a keynote at uh, uh, fifty conferences, and I do assemblies with elementary school kids or high school kids. And people ask me, do you get nervous? I said, yeah, every time. I get nervous for kindergartners. Um, <laughs> uh, but I, I, you know, the only way that I really put myself in a, in a place where uh, I do okay at speaking is that I remind myself that it's, it's about the message. And if I stay focused on that, and I really do enjoy it. Um, and, and I think that part of that, you, you know, uh, you say that I'm funny that I use props and all of these things. I love to laugh, but I think it's just the reformed class clown in me. Cause I was attention deficit. I drove all my teachers crazy. I was bouncing off the walls and I, and, and so, you know, part of that, when I use uh, props or I do stupid things or I tell stories that have happened to me, I mean, they're all true. And, uh, it's just, uh, uh you know i don't think it it comes natural to me but somehow it works <laughs> and it's fun you know i enjoy it
0: i mean this the skit i grew up in staten island new york and uh, sometimes the accent will give it away i think traffic was born in staten island some <laughs> some people might say brooklyn but the anger that yeah. creates and i was one of them and, I, and i'm glad i moved because yeah. it would it would eat me alive but yeah. everyone can relate to that yeah and, and you you just created a environment where we could laugh at ourselves going, yeah, I did that. I screamed at that person, you know.
1: I ask people I say uh, you know raise your hand if you're uh, if you're a confessed road ragers and usually only two or three people in the audience will do it and you know the research says about 5% of the people will admit it but over half of all people on the road today when they are pushed with aggression they respond with their aggression of their own and I say yeah you know that we're quick to say it's that other guy you know and actually in my book The Jerk Whisperer I had a whole chapter on the myths that we tell ourselves like you know well he had it coming well I'm just giving him a taste of their own medicine, you know, well, I'm just passionate, you know, no, I'm pretty sure you're a jerk. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, we make so many excuses. And every single time, you know, it gets back to what you know, you're mentioning Victor Frankl, that, you know, when you deflect, what you're saying is that the reason you have this attitude, or the reason you're road raging, is that guy? No, you chose to do that.
0: And here it is. Here's a, a, the picture. There, there's your, your handsome uh, grin on the on the front. Uh, I picked this one out. Certainly, the title yeah. had my attention. You know, uh, tell me about writing this book and what and what was this like for you.
1: Well, mostly what what the book is about is it's recognizing the jerk within, because we can all, and, and I say to folks, I said, there's one thing I hate worse than being mistreated by a jerk. And that's when I become like them. But I also realize that there's a little bit of that in everyone. No one is immune to snapping at your loved ones, at your kids. And and we got to be careful because we don't want to become the person that we despise or make a whole litany of excuses as to why it's okay to lash out at someone that we work with or uh, a, a family member. Well, if you wouldn't have done this, then I wouldn't have acted that way. And and uh so. Uh, the, the idea that we just need to recognize that there's all sorts of things, ways that we react to people defensively, we can stew over things, and that um, we need to be able to calm ourselves. So when I talk about being a jerk whisper, it's not about those guys out there. It's about us. It's about all of us calming ourselves and de-escalating. This world is going through a nervous breakdown right now, and, and it's become aggression and, and sneaky aggression, sneaky aggression, where... Uh, you know, even people sitting in the highest seats in the land, you know, are asked about mean tweets and they'll say, you know, and the response was, uh, well, hey, when somebody starts printing fake news about me, I have every right. And, you know, right there, it tells you that they're not taking responsibility for their own attitude. They're saying everybody else is responsible for my attitude. I can rage. I can be you know, I can do all of these things. And where does it lead us to more mass shootings? to more murders, to more domestic violence, and on and on and on. Road rage is at its all-time high. And uh, we have to stop and say, no, it's me. It's not that other guy. It's a choice I made. That guy can't climb inside your brain and take control of your attitude. You're responsible for your own attitude.
0: Doc, I love the book. Uh, it's you know You have short snippets in here just – Little things about stories, and uh, you define different types of jerks. It's it's great, um, but in here, you give ten essential skills of the jerk whisperer, right? Ways that we can respond to people that are uh, acting inappropriately or acting aggressive. You know, which one of those do you think? If you could give everybody an antidote of just one of them, because they were I, I loved it. I mean, it was great. Uh, if you could give an antidote of just one, which one do you think it would be?
1: Well, there's, you know, I, I say a number of things. In there things like practice not reacting. Um, know the difference between venting and disparaging. You can vent. Uh, you know, I talk about letting go as well as mentally rehearsing irrational scenarios so that we don't make ourselves crazy. But, you know, if I were going to say um, that practice not reacting, that we – have those little things that happen when the kids bring in the dog with the muddy feet, you know, muddy paws and somebody leaves the dishes in the sink. Or if you already know that tomorrow you're not going to find that parking spot or that the, the copier might be broke. Those little things are the things that we need to start practicing, not reacting, just not reacting. Take a breath, ask yourself, is this a crisis or an inconvenience? And you know, there was a, a wonderful quote from from Dalai Lama said, you know, if you can't find it in your heart to love others, could you at least not hurt them? Mm. And, and it's such a powerful thing. You, you, you don't have to love everybody, agree with everybody or like one political party or the other. You don't have to agree with them. But could you just stop hurting each other? Could we just stop? I asked middle school kids in assemblies, I'll stop and I'll say, you know, uh, what would it be like if for one day we all stop hurting each other? And these kids, these are just middle school kids. I'll say, you know, Dr. Bird, it'd be like paradise. No. And, and, I, and I say, you're right. The whole world would be like a paradise if for just one day we could all stop hurting each other. So, you know, this idea of just practice, not reacting um is one thing we can all and you might say to yourself you know I'm a little long-winded on this but you might say to yourself you know gee I'm not as insane as that guy you know with the uh, with with the uh, you know the assault weapon or I'm not as insane as that guy who took somebody's life in a road rage and I agree with you you're right you're not as insane as that person who's taking off that mass shooting but Every little thing, when you snap at that, even a, a family member, you snap at a waitress. You take it out on that guy on the road. You know, you're going to give somebody a piece of your mind. You may not be on that grand scale, but I tell you one thing, you're adding to it. It's the little things that you're adding to that, uh, all of the aggression in the world. So that calming influence that we need to just practice day in and day out. And Doc, is it, you know,
0: when you speak to a group, do you get that? Feedback from the, the people that, that that you're making a difference in these kids' lives—is that some of the feedback that you get?
1: Yes, I do. Uh, you, 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 and well, you that's mentioned powerful. Yeah, I I, I mentioned kids, and uh, you know, I I love I love. Uh, Chatting with kids. I, I have teachers coming up to me and say, You know, Dr. Bird, you know, that was the best in service. Uh, one teacher got a hold of me two months later and she said, I've been teaching for 30 years. This is the best year I've had. And all it was was just simple, reflective things like this. Um, sometimes I go out and I do assemblies with kids and, uh, you know, I wonder if I get through to them. I was at a high school a couple of years ago, and I do an assembly about, you know, I have a choice. I can think for myself, and I can make a difference. And, you know, all these kids are out there. They're dressed up in all their football jerseys. It's a Friday. They got a game coming <laughs> up. They're all amped yeah. up. And I said, boy, boy, I just hope I get through to one kid. And uh, the next day, I got the most beautiful email from this. Uh, it was a chemistry teacher. And I had shared a story with kids about uh, when I was younger that I was, uh, I'm always been the shortest kid. I Right now as an adult, I'm four foot, eight inches tall. And, you can't uh,
0: tell that on camera, <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: but uh, the, yes, I, I like to sound a little taller over the you know over the, on the camera. <laughs> but you know, I told a story about a bird and the bear, and I befriended this guy who oh. was six foot three, over two hundred pounds, and I weighed about forty five pounds at the time. And I shared this story with kids. I said, you know, you, you many of you have power. I said, do you use your power wisely? And the next day, I got this email, and the teacher said that there was this kid who was always getting picked on in this class that she had and, and after the assembly that day this great big football player this very quiet kid always kept to himself walks across the other side of the room and he puts his arm around this little guy who's getting picked on and he says I think you ought to leave him alone and so later on the teacher said you know why did you do that that was very nice and he said well I thought maybe it's my time I started acting, acting like the bear. I listened to Dr. Bird today about the bird and the bear. Maybe it's my turn to be the bear. And I, and I was so touched by that. And if just one kid can do that, you know, if I go out and I speak to teachers, if one teacher says, you know, I need to work on that, you know, I need to calm myself, and, and uh, that makes it all worthwhile, you know.
0: Well, and, you, and you share the story, uh, again, in your book here, The Jerk Whisperer. This is one of your books. Uh, but you tell that story about the bus driver yeah. that came, came up to you after a speech, it was years later. And, uh, yeah. he wanted to tell you the impact, uh, that, that yeah. you made on his life. And, um, yeah. doc, I, I, I've been, uh, married, uh, 17 years. My anniversary is actually coming up this Saturday
1: oh, after,
0: exactly. after your speech. Uh, I went home and, you know, you know, it to be the ups and downs of life and, uh, I told yeah. my wife, I
1: said, "Love, patience, and gratitude. Uh, you, you can't nice. go
0: wrong if that's all I you know, if
1: that's all I bring to
0: the table. I think you'll be happy."
1: Yeah, nice. I appreciate that very much.
0: Yeah. Uh, it's powerful, and you know that was the reaction with our with our staff. I mean, it was very, very powerful. And uh, um, but, doc, talking with you today, right? People might look on the camera or listening on iTunes and say, "Hey, this guy's got the perfect life," uh, but you very openly shared a great tragedy, uh, that you, that you also talk about in the book here. Um, you know, that you lost your son.
1: Yeah. Um, you want to tell that story? Sure. You know, I I think one of the myths that that sometimes people have is they look at people that find meaning in life or that they're happy in life and they'll say, uh, well, you know, he's just lucky or, uh, they or they might look at you and say oh, he's an idiot because uh, and miserable people do that they go you know if she knew how bad things were here she'd be just as miserable as me they're certain that you're either lucky that you've had good fortune fall on your lap and and you know some of the happiest people I know have survived some horrible tragedies and uh you know I was uh you know I was I had lost my father and I was diagnosed with cancer and I had lost my son all on a three-year period. And and really, truly what got us through all of those difficult times uh, was love. Uh, you know, my son had died in his sleep at age 27 uh, from an epileptic seizure. He had had epilepsy his whole life. And he was the one of the greatest role models that I ever knew for optimism. If anyone had a right to be angry at life, it would have been him because he had 20 surgeries by the time he was 20 years old. But he had this... Uh, this personality and this uh, this hope and this optimism that was just bigger than life itself, and he, he he was always an inspiration to me. And and you know what I I tell people is that um, you know you don't have to be perfect to be happy. You know, I, I in fact I, I consider myself one of the most flawed persons that I know. But you can be very 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 happy and have flaws. You can have things happen to you, and it's and it's about that that you know when you're looking at your life and saying. Uh, you know, not what have I lost, but what do I have left? You know, what's what am I going to do with what do I have left? You you know, when Victor Frankl said, you know, you can't pursue uh, happiness. And, and I believe that, you know, I'm going to be teaching a positive psychology course this summer. And I tell him after that, I said, I, I said, you can't find happiness and you can't pursue happiness. The best you can do is you understand it. You understand it when you fully understand it. Then you start to find more meaning in your life. And, and I have always been able to find meaning in, in my life. And, and that meaning does come from love and compassion and relationships. And, uh, y- you know, in our relationship, Annie and I, and, 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 perhaps like yourself, you know, what you know in, in relationships that do last a long time, people don't hurt each other. You know, I work in a department. We disagree every meeting we go to, but we treat each other with dis- decency and kindness. And so we're best of friends. You know, we've all I've been at both of their weddings, you know, other department members and and, uh, you know, we're very close uh, to each other. But it's the way we treat each other. It's the way you disagree. It's not that you don't disagree. I mean, disagreeing and you know, this from marriages every day, families, kids. But it's how you do it that makes that that meaning in your life. So, you know, we did have a, a horrible uh, tragedy uh, losing Nick and I. I um, i can 't imagine you, you know every time I hear of a loss in a family it 's the first thing I think of it uh, you know what what these parents are going through because it is the most horrible thing, um, and we we found so much meaning uh, in, in our lives and what Nick was all about and, and it isn 't like you ever get over anything or you get past anything. I think you grieve till the day uh, till the end of your days to the last day of your own life, but you can grieve, and I think you can celebrate uh people's lives at the same time
0: yeah and you do a nice really nice job of celebrating your son in here and i wrote down uh uh, you know a great quote right he said he had great belief it doesn't matter how much weight is on the bar it matters if you believe that you can lift it yeah Yeah. and i have that quote and uh it was very powerful and really it's a nice nice tribute to your son and I compliment you and your wife and uh you and the rest of your family. I mean it's you're you're an inspiration doc uh, to to Thanks. to be who you are with that. So um Thank Thank doc let's shift gears a little bit. Uh you know you're you mentioned you're a college professor. How long did you say?
1: Uh I I I I've been teaching at the college level for 38 years and uh I started in my uh, 20s and I just lucky I started out as a high school health teacher and I was a high school wrestling coach and uh Uh, and ended up, you know, uh, becoming a professor at a pretty young age. And uh, uh, so I've been at it for quite a while. I, uh, you know, uh, so I've taught, you know, like 38 fall semesters and 38 uh, spring semesters. And, wow. and I had done quite a few summers. I had figured it out that uh, this summer it'll be my 99th uh, semester that uh, I'll be teaching at the college level. This is and, it. Anyways. Well, you're approaching 100. <laughs> and I love it. You know, I, I love it because, um you know, with every new class list that I, I get is – is I think there's a potential for someone to turn the corner or to see something new in their lives or to take something away that maybe they wouldn't have had before. And uh, just, you know, being with people in academia, it, it never gets old. Uh, uh, teaching never gets old. You know, I, I, could do with that a lot, like all of us, you know, some of the uh, things that we all have to do with meetings and all of those things, but you know, when it gets right down to you, I, I can, you know, Lee Iacocca said it best years ago. He said, if any sane society truly had its values in order, we would uh, place the teacher and the parent as the most important roles in our society because what could be more important Amen. than passing our values on from one generation to the next? And, and, and I believe that. Uh, you know it's, it's, We have the most important jobs in the world, parents and teachers.
0: Powerful. Doc, you know you, you hear it, uh, you know, they say, uh, oh, those kids back then, those kids back then, and you hear every generation yeah. say it. But for, since you've been doing it so long, do you see a difference now between the students you have now and those you might have had 20, 25 years ago?
1: I, I think that there's always going to be an evolution of, of students. There's always going to be an evolution of youth. And um, and what might be the difference is that um, they're doing an awful lot of studies now in terms of technology and what that might be doing to our brains. And there's a lot of, of young people today that can make their iPhones and their iPads and their computers. You know, there's an old saying It says, uh, you know, technology is, is a great servant, but it's a horrible master. And so, you know, they have a lot more distractions that are built in uh, that students way back when, you know, to, to the credit of many students today. And what I find in college students is that it may be one of the most politically astute generations in the history of this country. So, uh, you know, on one hand, because they are they have access to so much information, they're they're really, really, really well informed and they know a lot of things. One of the great challenges is they they're going to be have to, to really dig through everything that's out there online. What's real? What's not real? Uh, and and through education, this is where you learn this in, in your high school, college courses. Uh, what does it mean to have a peer reviewed journal? What does it mean to, you know, really use research correctly? What is real research? And so, you know, there are some differences. It's easier to become distracted when I used to have a break break. In my night classes, students would immediately start talking to each other. Right now, it gets real silent. And they all start looking at their phones. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> um, so it's easy to become uh, distracted with those things. Uh, but each each uh, generation also has its its strengths.
0: Sure, sure, Doc. You started mentioning the phones, and again, the happiness, right? The theme of yeah. happiness. You know, do you have conversations in your class uh, regarding cell phones and? those faces in there and and happiness is there you you talk about that
1: every single class, every single class. And and very often, you know, I've uh, had professors say these students, you know, they're always on their iPads they're they're on their phones. And, and, you know, I tell my students, I say, you know, if I see you, you know, glancing down at your lap, and uh, smiling, it's one of two things. It's one, you're probably <laughs> texting during class or you're a really creepy person. Uh, but, uh, so, you know, but I, I talk to them about that and I say, you know, what, what I do at the beginning of all my classes say, you know uh, what are your, Top 10 pet peeves of fellow students. And they'll say, well, you know, texting in class or they're on Facebook and stuff. And I said, what are your top 10 pet peeves of uh, professors? And they said, well, I'm not answering office hours or emails or, and so I said, well, you know, let's, let's, let's try to be mindful then in the time that we're in here. So whenever I hear professors say, these students are always on there. I say they don't do that in my class. And the reason why is that we talk about it ahead of time. Can you give me two and a half? Can you give me three hours, however long our class is, to be mindful about what kind of a distraction that might be to people around you. And I also tell them if I ever have to talk to you about it, I'll never, I'll never publicly humiliate you. I'll take you aside and try to do it quietly. But um, you know, I, say, I, I really address those things up front. And that's one of the things that I actually, I talked to administrators and teachers about too, but you know, Robert Brooks said, if, if one of the things education could do is, is take the first week of school and, and throw out all your textbooks. And let's just talk about what are classroom responsibilities? And how are we gonna remember them? And then what would be the consequences if we didn't live up to those responsibilities? Because we, we have people, if graduate students don't know how to act in classes, fourth graders don't either, you know, so, so you can't expect the, but, but to talk about those behaviors. But the reason why I also tell them why it's so important is that so much research today, there's a wonderful book out there, uh, it's called The Shallows, what the internet is doing to our brain. And what we're finding out is that the more time that you're spending online, the more it actually changes the way you think. It changes the way you're able to stay focused. It changes the way you're able to to concentrate. And, uh, what we find is that, uh, more and more and more time that we spend on the internet where there's always going to be a change, you know, the average websites, only a few seconds, we don't even read the way we used to. And now it goes like the letter F we go across the top and then we go here, here, here. Mm -hmm. And if I don't find what I want, I go on to the next one. And, and so it changes the way we take in information. It, it changes the way we think about things, and what it's leaving out, and this is the one thing that they're finding in the research, is that people are having less deep reflection, their ability to reflect on their own lives, just to be alone with themselves. You know, and and we're doing it to our kids too. You know, the kids whining in line at waiting in line at the CVS, and you want to hand them that that iPad to keep them quiet. Or in a restaurant, you'll look and you see a family of four. And all four of them are down here doing this and nobody's um. looking at each other. And so it's just a, it's a great tool. It's an incredible tool. You know, I can come away from a doctor's office and then in, in, in minutes I can find uh, medical journals about, you know, what the doctor said. It's amazing. Don't technology is the most amazing thing, but it, as I said, it, it makes a great servant, but a horrible master. And when it starts to control your life well, you can't go for a few minutes without, you know, checking the Facebook without checking the Twitter feed. Um, you, you've given up, you've, you know, your life is being taken over by that. And, and let me tell you, there's a lot of advertisers out there pretty happy to make you that way too. <laughs> yeah. But we have more mood disorders and anxiety disorders as a result of the amount of time that we spend online.
0: I can believe it. Doc, that's great insight. Um, we are running out of time, Doc. I do want to get to the rapid uh, fire portion of the show people enjoy it and uh we got some quick we got some quick questions for you okay
1: sure you ready yeah All
0: right,
1: last book you read uh last book i i read um i'm i, I always read three books at a time but i'm uh, the captain uh Derek jeter okay nice are you a yankee fan oh yeah huge yankee fan
0: okay well we'll yeah. give out uh, a shout out to my sister's blog there bleeding yankee blue she writes uh, the Yankee blog there, so check it out. Uh, I grew up in,
1: in Denver because we had the Denver Bears, you know, and that was our minor league team associated with the Yanks.
0: They didn't have the Rockies back then.
1: No, did not have
0: Okay, the captain.
1: Uh, and I wrote that down here, the
0: shallows, too. That's in. so I'm going to check that out. Uh Last movie you saw? The Natural. <laughs> it's one of my
1: favorites. It's, it's a good one.
0: Oh, that's a great movie. I love it. Um <laughs> favorite speaking engagement moment?
1: Uh, I, uh, a couple that I mentioned earlier, you know, like the the kid that, that said to me that it's my time to be the bear. I like that.
0: That's powerful. Yeah, that's a yeah. great story there. Um, your biggest pet peeve, somebody who's very happy. What's your biggest pet peeve? Uh,
1: probably my biggest pet peeve is when, uh, you know, we make excuses for being jerks. That's all. You know, when we deflect our responsibility, it's everybody else's fault except mine.
0: A place you go to relax or
1: de-stress. Um, place I go. I love. Uh, I love the warmth of Florida. And mm. uh, but if I can't get to Florida, then I like to find nature up here in the Adirondacks, whether I'm at a lake uh, or out on the water. And even if I'm having to walk in the snow right now, but I like being outside. <laughs> Who is your biggest inspiration? Um, uh, biggest inspiration for me, I, I had a high school wrestling coach that always saw the good in me. And as a result, uh, I started to believe it. And uh, he, he was always so proud of everything that I did. And maybe the biggest inspiration, biggest inspiration that I've read are people like Victor Franco. And uh, uh, you know, I told you about the Auschwitz survivor mm. and uh, Abraham Maslow, uh, huge Leo Buskaya, one of my favorites too. one of the great authors talked about love. And,
0: and what was your high school uh, coach's name?
1: Joe Clune. Uh, he passed away a few years ago, and mm-hmm. uh, he always had a saying, Bertie, I'm just busting my buttons. You know, it's like an old school saying, you know, <laughs> you're busting your buttons because your chest is – and right to the end of his life, every time I saw him, he had the same thing. Ah, oh, Bertie, I'm so proud of you. And 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 truly, you know, uh, I didn't even think I was going to go to college. And uh, he, he got me in and, and uh, went from there.
0: Must be proud of the work uh, that you, that you were doing there yeah. short
1: term short term goal one to three months one to three months uh, i 'm going to uh, continue to piece together a book i 'm working on and it 's about uh, those active reflections for happiness oh, that's great long
0: term goal five to seven years
1: a uh, long term goal um, I've got, I, I, you know, I've got about three books in the hopper. And so, you know, I want to continue to work on those. And I want to, uh, you know, one of the things that I'm going to try to do is, is cut back on some of the teaching that I'm doing, because I want to expand teaching, uh, you know, nationwide and to reach out to a lot more people. Um, you know, I've, I've spoken to thousands, but I really want to do that a lot more into this. Spread myself out.
0: Well, there. let's. I'm going to skip ahead then. I'm going to skip ahead. Well, if people do want to contact you uh, to, 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 to book you for a speaker, what would be the best way they can get in touch with you?
1: Well, you can go to docbird.com, D O C B I R D, docbird.com, or you can just write to uh, jerkwhisperer at gmail.com. And, okay. Uh, well, they get in touch with me.
0: I'd give you a testimony because your speaking was, uh, was fantastic.
1: Um, back to the Rabbit Fire. Favorite comedian? Ah, oh, favorite comedian, um, Steve Martin.
0: Okay, good. We've been showing my kids clips of Saturday Night Live. <laughs> You're wild and crazy. Wild guy. And
1: crazy guy.
0: <laughs> favorite story uh, in the book. You tell so many great stories in here. Which one's your favorite?
1: Ah, uh, gosh, I, I, I couldn't even say uh, uh, which one is, is my favorite. Um, probably the one that I, uh, story that I share about my son, uh, or sons when I share about my family members
0: okay all right, and uh, my last question what 's next
1: bird what's what 's what what 's next for um staying on this path uh you know i i i as i said i I think the world really 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 really, really needs uh, we just need to keep reminding each other of the important role that we play and that everybody plays a role out there so what's next for me is to just keep doing what I'm doing
0: well you're doing great work doc uh, I, I'm, I'm dealing with high school kids you deal with college students but that happiness that message of gratitude you know they have all right there in the place. and the uh, we're going to look to try to have you back in Port Jervis and uh, uh, I really do appreciate the the time you you gave us today
1: you know and I, and I just want to say this too. Um, I spent some time reading your book and I really, really, really enjoyed it because one of the things that, that I really like about you is you place so much importance on people, on family, and then also just simply relationships, how you treat people on a day-to-day basis. And I just want to let you know that after reading your book, you've inspired me and I appreciate that very much. It's a great book. It's a very good book. And there's so much great common sense in there that every beginning leader out there, not even those, I I think that all of us are leaders in some way or another because we affect other people's lives. Some great common sense in there. So I just wanted to mention that to you.
0: That means a lot, Doc. Uh, that really means a lot to me. And uh, you know, like you, I, I, I'm writing my second book. I, I don't oh. have three in the hopper like you, yeah. but yeah. the second book is going to be called "The Parent: Thriving and Thriving." And guys, uh, uh, nice. guys work with parents, work with the schools, and, and work with their kids because uh, it's a marathon, not a sprint. And uh, yeah, right. Uh, but I appreciate you saying that. Thank you. It's an inconvenience. And uh, that's an, a name of one of your books there, isn't it?
1: It's right. Yeah. It's not a crisis. I, I had shown you this earlier that this is uh, a copy of the book. That's actually my wife on the cover there because she's the best at deescalating. But you also mentioned that, you know, the story of the bird and the bear. And I told you in the last year that I made that into a book, a children's book now. So I love the bird and the bear. That's my children's book.
0: Well, for our listening audience, I do recommend you go on there. Doc, best way to get those is Amazon?
1: Uh, Yeah, just go to my website. There's links on there, too. You know, just go to DocBird.com. Okay. They're all All linked up to Amazon. Thanks.
0: We are going to sign off here with Doc Bird. This was episode number 44 of Education, Leadership, and Beyond. We are going to go out and change the world for the better. Doc, uh, thank you so much. Thank you.
1: appreciate you having me. All right.
0: Signing off.
1: Okay.